welcome to Fur What It's Worth. There's your cookie. Have fun. <laughs> An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wisconsin, Texas. One thing about coming out to a convention on the East Coast. That's not the East Coast. Minnesota is not the East Coast. Oh. We've found a beef. It was cold and in a freezer that broke down. Kind of like those two fools, Root and Tugs. Pull that record, we're done, aboard. So is it that they're in a freezer that broke down or are they cold? Don't ask me, I just read those lines. I didn't even put it on here, but I know what's coming next, or do you? Oh, yeah, I do. And welcome to For What It's Worth, we, where we measure fur and tell you how much that it actually is worth. Welcome! You know, the only thing I'm measuring is my penis with my iPhone, because every teenager now is going to do that. Really? You can do that now? Yeah, there's the the, a, uh, the AR measuring tool. <laughs> yeah, but I've tried using that, and it's not very, like, I don't know, it doesn't seem to keep the dimensions very well. To measure your penis? Well... I guess maybe it just shrinkage or something. I don't. I don't know. This is an uncomfortable topic, Tugs. Cool. Just keep doing the opening. <laughs> well, welcome to for what it's worth, everybody. Today we have. Um, it is season eight, right? Season yep. eight, episode. Are we at four? Yes. Awesome. So today, uh, I don't know what our episode topic is. It's okay. You should just introduce yourself. Oh, well, I am Rue. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and this is Lovely Tugs. Good evening. Or whatever time of day it is. No, this is a great... That was a very, very lovely voice. <laughs> Actually, I went through a drive the other day. It was like, good evening. <laughs> Before I ordered. <laughs> so, Tugs, I have to know. This is This is the most important thing. How is the McRib? Uh, it's not out here yet. It's coming. So they're doing a, a, I know, I know they're doing a staggered release. I guess the 26th is when the, my local McDonald's will have it. And they know that if they don't get it, that I'm going to go ape shit on them. So I'm, I'm cool. I'm letting other people make sure that the supply is good this year, that the Mick and the rib are both excellent and spiced correctly. And by the time it gets to me, all of the McRib peasants who are now finally figuring out that it's good will have done their duty. And as the McRib king, I will be able to eat the McRib safely. <laughs> uh, well, I've seen a lot of people send you images on the, the Telegram group. I love um, that. I love that people are doing that for the first time. <laughs> They're people like, here, get Tugs. It. It's almost like people sending me their cookie recipes. Like... <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I, and please continue to share your McRib experiences. They are the most important thing in our society today because they don't have anything to do with the bad shit. So vote for the McRib. Is that right? Yes. Yes. McRib for president. Speaking of voting, did you vote Tugs? I did. I did. Actually, uh, Washington is also a vote by mail, just like Utah. So it was easy peasy. Awesome. Yes. Did you? What, what if I told you that I didn't? Then we would end the show right now. <laughs> I'm that just kidding. This I is totally the last episode. <laughs> okay, I am I, I'm so excited that Utah uh, did pass the um, legal, um, well, to be able to use uh, marijuana in our state for medical use. 
which definitely when it comes to the field of working with people with disabilities, a lot of my individuals have seizures and different things like that. And medical marijuana does actually help reduce those seizures. And so, so I have, I have to ask you, you, your historic reason for not liking pot has been, it's not legal. Now that it is going to be legal, are you going to change your position on weed? I'm not going to partake of it myself. Okay. But are because you... I don't have a medical need. Well, but sure. some other people that do have a medical need, then I am fine with that. If somebody is going to break the law and, um, you know, or misappropriate or, you know, say that they have symptoms that they don't just so that they can get high and smoke, I think that that is wrong, personally. Okay. That okay. is my opinion on the particular situation, but until it, you know, it may get to the point where it is for recreational use. And if it gets to that point, then great. Okay. So I, it's nice to see you uh, keeping your opinion current. So tugs, what else mm -hmm. have you been up to? Um, I have, I have a new, I don't know what to call it, but, um, I am, I am raising a, a culture. Um, his name is Hubert and he's finally doing what I want him to do. And people are like, what the hell is he talking about? I'm trying to start sour, a sourdough starter. Um, and so how do you go about starting a sourdough starter? Like, so what, it's really not hard. You basically just mix water and flour and you let it just sit. And what you're trying to do is cultivate wild yeast because packaged yeast doesn't work for sourdough. That's what is definitive about sourdough is that it's wild yeast. And so you basically do a week of water and flour, um, and you have to do a certain temperature for the water because you don't want to kill any yeast. Um, and then after that, you cut it in half, throw that half away, and then replace that half with fresh flour once a week. That's normal, but the thing is, is Seattle's a bit of a colder city, especially this time of year. And we have uh, marble countertops where we live. And so it's been actually about three weeks since I've tried starting it, and it hasn't gone bad. But I realized that the cold of the marble surface is keeping Hubert from doing his, his yeast rising thing. You know how you proof bread when you bake it. Um, and so I moved it. And he's, he's now well on his way. I think he's almost ready to be used. And I'm very excited because it's going to be Seattle sourdough. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, know. I, I, hope, I hope that it's um, that Hubert grows to be a very tasty, tasty morsel that you may eat. <laughs> I, I know. You know, it's weird. It's weird that as an adult, I'm excited for water and flour in a jar. Like, but it's more of like, I just want to know that I can do it, you know? And well, so, yeah. And, and yeah. then if you want to, I mean, the great thing about a sourdough starter is that's something that you can keep for a very long time. And that's oh, sure. something that, I mean, there's some people that have sourdough starters from their great, great, great grandparents, you know? And it's yep. kind of like, it's a family, like heirloom almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so we'll see where that goes. Um, what else have I been up to? Um, I just adjusting to the short days the, the the bad part about living in Seattle, I think I probably said this about this time last year is, uh, in the winter, the days are very short. The shortest day of the year, the sun will set at four twenty. Ha ha ha. But no, it really will set at four twenty. Um, and the sun's coming up around eight in the morning. So it's not tons of sunlight. Uh, and Salt Lake, I mean, it gets dark around five thirty, maybe five fifteen. 
so like that hour of daylight is, is huge. But of course, the nice part is in the summer, the sun's not going down till 11. So who cares? Um, but, you know, just just adjusting to the shorter daylight, all that Don't stuff. Don't you just hate daylight savings time? I just want to jump and stay. Let's just go forward an hour and be done with this. I, I I agree. Let's just change it for one time and then that's it. Let's just leave it as it is. And then what will happen is slowly the days will grow longer or shorter instead of like that jump for an hour or pulling it back an hour. It just it's I don't know. Speaking, I personally, I don't like it. <laughs> speaking of pulling it back, what have you been up to? Well, let's see. Not pulling it back. Just kidding. Um, I've been playing, let's see, Far Cry 5. Been shooting a whole bunch of, um, you know, cultists and stuff like that. So, yeah, that, that's been a pretty fun game. Not not very, I really haven't been up to, to much lately. Work has been really busy. Um, I've been able to lose more weight. Um, that's always beneficial as well. I'm finding that I'm having a lot less aches and pains, different things like that. So how's your sleep? Yeah. Uh, my sleep is terrible. It's horrible because of the fact that, um, my mattress is, I need to go visit the church of St. Mattress. Oh, I and need get to an, go and get buy a new, a new mattress. It would be yeah. really nice. Yeah, we we replaced our bed about three weeks ago, and we needed to. We got one of those ones with the adjustable base and stuff. It's oh man, you can't beat that. Yeah. Yep. You you like just being able to be like press a button and it's like oh now it's now where it's ready for us to 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 watch YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah, you know it's. It's, it's, I say I have an adjustable bed and people are like, oh, like a hospital bed. And they think of like that crappy, like plastic railing with the button. It's not like that at all. It's, there's a, a nice Bluetooth remote and stuff. It's actually really nice. Cool. So, yeah. Does it have like a, a vibrating session setting? Actually, it does. Session? It does. <laughs> Why? <laughs> does it help with your back? Um, It helps me fall asleep mostly. Huh, cool. Well, I think it's that time. Okay. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. All right, here's the fortune for today. It says, if a man has common sense, he has all the sense there is in bed with a cookie. I don't get so, it. Once again, if a man has common sense, he has all the sense there is in bed with a cookie. Huh. I'm going to just let that, that sit. Is that the one that we got emailed in? No, oh, no. Okay. What was we, the one that we got emailed in? Oh, we'll have to read it next episode. Da -da! So we're not going to do potty break. I think let's just get right into it. Can you believe it? We're going to change up the formula. <gasps> uh... <gasps> <laughs> oh no. Jump cut. Take three. We love you guys. We're very happy that you have continued to listen to what for you is just a seamless transition to this. But for us, we had to reschedule. It is now very early the next day. And we are very silly feeling. So get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
Meanwhile, I'm going to make the same joke I've made twice now and is still new to you, but is old to us, which is about science. This is brought to you by science and the most scientific scientist that ever did science and science. Hello, Nuka. I am Nuka and I am science. Yay, Nuka. We are so grateful to have you here today. I'm, I'm happy to be here, despite it being now early in the morning. <laughs> Versus being late at night. Yeah. Third time's a charm. We're dedicated. We love our listeners. So we all sacrificed our sleep on Saturday morning for you. It's a labor of love. Yes. So let's try this first question one more time, (laughs) which is you've done new science. Tell us how you have gone about conducting the new science. The new science. Um, It reminds me of new Coke, which went over just splendidly. Um, no, uh, yeah. So, so when we talk about new science, it's actually sort of the same methodology that we've used in previous years. We go around to various conventions, typically for Fiesta and Anthrocon. Um, we, we gather surveys every year at those conventions. We've, uh, also recently did an online study, a big, large, ambitious international study of a couple thousand furries from, uh, six different continents. Not a lot of Antarctica furries out there as it turns out, but yeah, so we've gathered lots and lots of data this most recent year. Some of our most ambitious projects, uh, our online project certainly was our longest survey. And if anyone's taken our surveys before, you know uh, just how long they can get. So this one was pretty thorough, but yeah, we've got a whole bunch of just crazy, interesting new stuff that we've learned about the fandom. A bunch of factoids, if it were. <laughs> so give us give us the, the general rundown of those lovely factoids and the, the results of that huge poll. Not, well, not all of it. Wow. That'll be the episode in five minutes. Rude. <laughs> well, I, I got a couple of them. That I figured uh, I picked out some ones that I figured might be interesting to talk about or that might raise a few eyebrows. So I figured I could uh, throw a couple of those out there and just see what your, your impression of them are. All right. Shock and awe. Step one. Shock and awe. Uh, <laughs> actually, the, the first one is kind of relevant to that idea. Um, I, I've touched on the idea before. We taught, we started studying furry drama. So we, we went there. We decided to understand what what constitutes furry drama. Because it's that thing that a lot of people sort of know it when they see it or they have an idea of what it is. But as it turns out, it's really hard to get a good definition of what drama is. Big scare quotes. Um, so we asked uh, a few hundred furries, hey, if, what is drama to you? And we used a whole bunch of qualitative uh, analyses to try to pair or boil down drama to its essential elements and we now have a good explanation of what the three components of drama are what makes drama drama so would you would you like to hear what makes drama drama yes what makes drama drama in the furry fandom uh so part one is it has to involve some kind of conflict between two or more people so uh conflict is there right but that's not enough to make it drama the second part is that there's a disproportional escalation of that conflict. So something that starts small gets really unnecessarily big. And the third thing that makes a drama is uh, that it involves this public element, something that should have been kept between two people or should have been kept to an isolated sort of location has been either publicized, done in public or done in view of the internet. And that combination of three things tends to make something drama. So I guess I'll... <laughs> uh, so I guess I'll throw it to you guys and ask you: Does that sort of resonate with your experience, or do you think that that, that anything's missing from that definition, or does that 
sound like it kind of makes sense to you? No, I think it makes I, perfect sense to me. I think I think you being the academic you are, for me, you say there has to be conflict involved. I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock. That's <laughs> like saying, does driving involve a road? Most mm-hmm. people would go, no, of course it involves a road. Why would you even bother saying that? But you have to list that explicitly because that's the academic way, right? Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that when you start defining something, once once someone comes up with a good definition or a good explanation, the hindsight bias dictates that uh, it seems really obvious in retrospect. Well, of course, that's what drama is. But if you ask people beforehand, and we asked several hundred people, what is drama? You know, it's it's no one mentions those things, right? Or that's one of those things that people often fail to mention or that uh, isn't really clear until you realize, oh, no, that, that, that's kind of, yeah. That... Huh. Okay. So, so you came up with a good definition for drama. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So the, I think what the struggle there is, though, how do you, there's a disproportionate element, I think, on the second thing you said, where yeah. it has to be but how do you quantify that? So that's that's tougher to – that's not a – I guess the, the, the point is that the, it, it, there's no really clean cut line between this is definitively drama and this is not. There's still some subjective quality to it as to what counts as um, uh, uh, an escalation that's disproportional. But we can, we can talk about things that are more drama and less drama. So, for example, if some small spat between two people – escalates into two sides of a local fan group not talking to each other anymore we say well that that escalated unnecessarily like that that got out of hand quickly but if it's something quickly yeah yeah i I was just thinking that yeah but if it's something really serious like hey someone broke the law and like we're all kind of in shock about it well that's that wouldn't necessarily be considered drama because that's probably a a pretty proportional uh response to something that's pretty extreme uh we wanted to come up with a definition that would um, include things that most people would call drama, but wouldn't label things drama that were legitimate big issues. Like if a big bombshell happens and people were going, wow, that's that's a big deal. If it is a big deal, then it's not drama. I, I understand. I'm, I'm getting where you're coming from. Like sometimes what I've seen in communities is they state something about like so-and-so broke the rule of some sort or, or something <laughs> like that. And they're just basically reminding people and then it's like, all of a sudden, it's like they're accusing that individual of starting drama or something like that because they're reminding people of the rules. Is that kind of? Yeah, if it escalates way more than it should have. If 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 someone you know, if in a lo- ever have those situations where it seems like some small minor spat just becomes this like huge, a much bigger issue than it should have been, and everyone's left there going, "How did we get to this point?" Like it started off in such a stupid tiny little thing that would be drama <laughs> okay yeah hmm. but like if someone goes okay. and commits criminal assaults against someone else in the group and the police get involved and people are like well let's kick them out that would not be considered drama because that's like well no that's a fairly reasonable response given the nature of the conflict involved gotcha yeah so how do you go about identifying the difference between the two uh, so there, there will always be some kind of subjective element to it. Uh, what some person will say, well, that was unreasonable as an escalation. Others will say, no, that's a fairly reasoned uh, escalation. That will always kind of be a line in the sand that you have to draw um, for yourself. So there's no, this isn't a hard and fast, here is the, the, the equation for what counts as drama and not. Um, but at least gives you some guidelines for, you know, does it, is this really drama? Are you trying to unnecessarily trivialize something? Um, that might have had a bigger impact you know, 
So it, it, it's our attempt to do that, to distinguish between drama and legitimate conflict in the fandom. We did, we did as well, in case you're interested, go on to look at um, sort of opinions regarding drama or the impact of drama on the fandom. Because again, it's one of those things that people go, oh, furries equal drama, or hey, look out, here comes the drama llama. And we wanted to say, well, is there some, some merit to this idea that drama is inextricably tied to the fandom? And should we take it seriously? Or is it kind of um, just the silly thing that that's always there and no one cares about? And as it turns out, uh, it's actually kind of a big deal. Um, what? Pardon? What? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, drama's a big deal. Uh, so we do find that most furries consider um, drama in the fandom to be undesirable. 72% say, yeah, it's we don't want drama in the fandom. Um, and yet people tend to trivialize it. Whenever a big issue comes up, people kind of go, lol, drama. And yet it's the second biggest reason why people leave the fandom. As it turns out, when you study furries who've left the fandom, they cite drama as the number two reason for leaving. Uh, well, yeah, it is number two. <laughs> so if the, I'm not going to dignify that with a response. What's the uh, what's number one? I mean, I'm not trying to like pull us off course, but just yeah. real quick, what's number one? So the number one reason is uh, individual bad behaviors of of furries or or, or conflicts within the group, right? So oh, that, that sounds be- like that sounds like a dog whistle for baby fur. Uh, I don't know about that, but I do know that uh, 16% of furries in that same sample mentioned that, uh, and I quote, the fandom would be better if certain subgroups were excluded. We didn't say which subgroups, uh, but 16% of furries have at least one subgroup that they say, you know what, not in my fandom. One six percent Yeah, one six percent that's heartbreaking. That's a small number, but that's still heartbreaking. What's well, the sample well, size? On don't that? take don't take it as sixty percent of the fandom are against baby first because that's not that's yeah. Not true. They, they, uh, so for for some of them it might have been bronies. For some of them it might have been Nazi first. For some of them it, it could have been, been yeah. people that are into bestiality. Like I mean, I'm, I'm not taking it personally. I'm just not that that's I'm not just, a subset. I'm more sad that like people want to start policing and kicking out groups arbitrarily. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's not a concerted effort. It's not like I guess in some cases it might be a concerted effort, but uh, I guess what I was where I was going with it was this idea that um, it's not surprising to see. I, I guess I argue that there's it's not surprising to see drama in the fandom, especially when you consider what a mishmash of people we're talking about here. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've argued that I, I sat at conventions where on my left side was a gun-toting, uh, you know, trucker conservative from uh, you know rural Texas. And on my right side, I've got a, 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 a quote unquote bleeding heart liberal university student, you know, from New York State, right? And we're all sitting together at a furry convention. And so when you get that many different people together, there will be conflict, right? It's kind of uh, an area that's rife with conflict. Um, and if anything, I'm surprised that there's not more of it in the fandom. I think that's more of the story than anything that um, we can get these people to sort of be together in the same space and not see more arguments and not see more uh, conflict than there actually is. But I guess the take home would be um, drama exists in the fandom. We can sort of talk about what it is, but let's not trivialize it. Let's not gloss over it or just say, oh, uh, that's just drama. Don't take it seriously. But it's causing people to leave the fandom. We probably ought to take it a little bit seriously. Well, and Tugs, another way to think about it is if the, if the question was like, it depends on how um, people 
look at what is the particular term of um, like for for example. So sorry, I'm going off the rails here, but okay. So we have neo Nazis. Okay, if somebody says that that's an offset of the furry fandom, which I I don't agree with that, but um, I I think that they're like because there's Nazi furs that are out there, right? So mm. Tugs, would you say that? that you're within the 60% because it's like, that's a, that's a off shoot. Like for the record, um, it's 16%, not 60. One, oh, six. sorry. 16. Sorry. Thank you. But do you get what I'm saying? Oh, sure. Sure. I'm it's, it's a nuanced argument. We could debate this point for the whole show and everyone would come out of it somehow. Mm. You know, it's just interesting, you know, yeah. I, I think that there's there are different tiers of quote unquote undesirable groups. Some groups have clearly been damaging to the whole of society, and some groups have not. You know, and that's just that's just how it is. And the that's idea isn't to again as, a, uh, as an academic, I'm kind of in a privileged position to be able to to be somewhat agnostic on this and not take a side and say I'm just reporting the data. Uh, so whether it's right or wrong, the numbers are that 16% of furry say that. Hey, the fandom would be better off if certain people were excluded. Take you know, do with it what you will. Argue with you know whether these people are right, whether these people are wrong. That's up to others. But um, that's that's the numbers on the ground. At least it gives us an impression of how uh, furries feel. I think probably uh, the common way to phrase it that probably makes it sound way less severe is just. I think we've all had a moment where we're like, man, I wish this particular element <laughs> was missing from the fandom. Yeah, but it's not like a burning like, go get rid of it. Yeah, like a crusade to, to go and purify the fandom or something. Oh, yeah, no, we tried that. We tried that with the burn furries, and we saw how that wound up. Mm -hmm. Did you want me to jump to uh, another point? Yeah. Or... Okay. Please feel yeah, free. No. Let's jump. Let's jump. Okay. Uh, another interesting one. So we asked people in one particular study, uh, it, do you consider furry to be a fetish? Right. So is furry a fetish or not? One to seven scale, how much is it a fetish for you? And what was interesting wasn't just that we asked furries to rate that for themselves. We asked them to rate it for the average furry. So you weren't just estimating, you weren't just saying how much was furry a fetish for you. You were saying how much you thought it was a fetish for the average furry in the fandom. Hmm. And what we found, first of all, was that furries were below the midpoint on this. So it was a 3.55 out of 7. So um, if it was a fetish, it wasn't particular. it was either not particularly strong of a fetish for most furries or... It was a strong fetish for a small group of furries, but for most furries, it was not. So that's that's one interesting point. The more interesting point was that when furries were asked to rate the average furry, they rated it higher. So what you have is a lot of furries for whom it might have a small sexual element to it, or maybe it's a small subgroup of the furry fandom. But when you ask furries about the fandom as a whole, they tend to see the average furry as being more about sex than they are. Right, so it's this notion of pluralistic ignorance. That's the thing that other furries do, but not me. So is that a NIMBY or a YIMBY? I don't you know what you me. mean. <laughs> not in yeah. my backyard or yes in my backyard. Oh. Um, uh, it, well, in psychology, we call it, a, call it pluralistic ignorance, which is the idea that you, you believe one thing for yourself, but you don't give that same traits to everyone else in the group, right? You, you say, I'm a well, good I driver, do. but everyone else sucks. Sort of, yeah. It's it's this idea of, uh, we saw the same thing when I did a study a couple of years ago looking at uh, drinking and partying in the fandom. 
most furries believe that that most furries drink and party a lot. But when you actually ask individual furries, they say, well, I don't, but most furries do. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. So how many, what, what is the percentage of, of furries that believe that, like, it was it, was it, the question of fetish or what was the question again? Sorry. Yeah, so it was, it was a one to seven scale. How much is furry uh, a fetish for you? Okay. That's and what was the um, question though? Pardon me? That's such a broadly worded question. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people did push back and say, well, how do you define fetish? And we, we intentionally left it vague because we just wanted to know, well, whatever your definition of fetish is, do you think that applies to your interest in the furry fandom? I struggle with this because furry for me is a lifestyle. So of course, part of it is a fetish, but it's not like to say like furry is a fetish in the sense, the classic sense of like furry is people put on fursuits and fuck because you know, that seems to be like the straight alignment. But then I think, well, there's different groups in the fandom that identify as furry and connect furry to their very deep personal fetishes. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're making it all or nothing. Yeah. And I mean, for a person who makes it all or nothing, you would imagine they would score higher on that. So for a person for whom furry was was primarily a fetish, they were they're just here for the porn. They're just here for the sex. Um, you can imagine that would be a person who would pick a six or a seven on that scale. Whereas for a person who was just the opposite, they have no interest whatsoever in sex. Uh, they'd probably pick a one or a two on the scale. You know, I wonder if the the I wonder ha, I have a hard time talking today. I wonder if that particular result um, got a little bit skewed because like I uh, Tugs was kind of saying, or what you were saying is fetish is a very, very broad term. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I've, I've noticed that the word fetish is, seems like it's a really dirty, dirty word. And people are like, Oh no, it's, it's like, uh, it's like the word, uh, never mind. I can't think of a a, a good word, but here's the problem though. So we use the word fetish and we don't define it precisely because when when asked about fetishes, is furry a fetish, people will use their own definitions. As soon as we try to impose a definition, people would say, yeah, but that's not that's not my definition of what a fetish is. Mm. Right. So we, we, we deliberately leave it vague and say, hey, is it a fetish for you? Whatever the heck the word fetish means to you, because in, in day to day discourse, no one stops you and says, OK, well, wait, hold on. Are we talking about the same thing when we're talking about a fetish? Right. So. We're, we're trying to study, okay, well, as the word fetish is colloquially used by the average person, whatever it means, do people consider it to apply to them? I think it would be interesting if you rerun, if you reran the study and instead of we're using the word fetish, changing it to the word kink and seeing if whether or not that that has a difference in numbers. I don't know. My, my argument is that you'd find, uh, you'd find the same problem that you ran into with the fetish question. People would say, well, what do you mean by kink? And that's one of the things that psychologists run into is you're trying to take soft, squishy, abstract ideas and put numbers to them, which is a difficult endeavor sometimes, as, as you're noticing here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. Moving on. Yeah, yes. let's move on to the next point. So one of the the, the next really interesting ones, uh, which, which may vindicate a lot of uh, people who have argued against our data before, uh, our most recent online survey looking at the sexual orientation of furries finds that, yes, straight furries are in a significant uh, minority. When you look at furries worldwide as a community and online furries, so not just convention-going furries, but sort of 
a broader community of furries, only about 20% of furries are straight. So you find that about 20% <laughs> are uh, gay or lesbian, 27% are bisexual, 17% uh, pansexual, uh, and 8% asexual. And 20% is straight, is that what you said? Yep, 20% is straight. I'm just going to do this. because because i feel it's i think the current climate of of where we're living is very hostile towards that and so it's nice to know that there's a place where the the de facto everyone's cool still exists i think that's what it is Mm. and what's nice i guess as as a piece of supplemental information to that is we asked um all these furries we asked you know straight furries gay furries bisexual furries you name it uh the perception of the fandom how does the fandom feel about um gay furries and straight furries and bisexual furries and um there was a lot of uh assumptions people had most people assumed that okay well the gay furries are you know everyone's okay and cool with the gay furries but it's the straight furries who most furries pick on or most furries sort of look down on straight furries that was the assumption that people made and yet when you actually ask furries, how do you personally feel about gay furries, straight furries, bisexual furries, you just don't see that there. Regardless, across the board, I think it was like a 6.9 out of 7, furries were just overwhelmingly positive towards other people, regardless of whether they were straight or gay or bisexual or asexual. Um, so yeah, it really does sort of resonate with what you're saying, that furries just tend to accept you regardless. Well, that's good. So- would you say, yeah, it is, it is good. Would you say that we are, uh, this is an offshoot question, but um, LGB, do you think that we are an LGBTQ support group with these numbers? I'd, be, I'd hesitate to, to specifically use the word support group because that is a very particular clinical connotation. But I would say that it's a place where if you are LGBTQ, this is a place where you're going to find like-minded people. You're going to find positivity and inclusion and acceptance uh, in a way that you're just not going to find in the general population. Uh, I guess to supplement this data real quickly as well, I should mention that same study found that uh, between 12 and 15% of furries are trans. Um, trans so in terms of uh, Transgender. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so what was the percentage again sorry so d- depending on we did two studies and uh the the, the range was between 12 and 15 percent of furries identifying as transgender wow i i've actually seen that uh i've actually seen more and more trans furries um as of recently so i can see how that number that number has grown from your last study, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think part of it owes to the fact that we were very ham-handed in the way that we asked it originally. So originally, and, and this is what, you know full mea culpa, we, we, we did a bad job of it initially. We would infer that a person was transgender by first asking about their quote-unquote biological sex and then asking about their quote-unquote gender identity. And if they didn't perfectly match, we said, oh, maybe they're transgender. More recently, we found much better measures from people who actually study this for a living. Uh, and they've been very high. And of course, there was backlash from the furry fandom for absolutely good reason, saying, hey, this is a really crappy way to measure that. And more recently, we, we found ways that are much better at uh, saying, hey, do any of these labels apply to you? Check any that apply. And we started finding now that when you measure it properly, it turns out that, yeah, it's it's anywhere from, from 12 to 15% of the fandom 
And I imagine that's probably growing as there's more awareness in society that, hey, being transgender is a thing. That person that we might have called 20 years ago a tomboy or something, we now would go, oh, maybe they're, maybe they're just a transgender person. Hmm. That's just, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, that's amazing <laughs> to see uh, those numbers and to see it change. And I'm really grateful. Like this, this is making me, all these numbers are <laughs> and facts and figures are making me think of how grateful that I am for the community as a whole, as far as how accepting um, we are overall for everybody that, you know, that hat that expresses themselves of who they are and, you know, how they love other individuals. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Do you have a, do you have another point? Uh, so uh, actually I want, I want to elaborate on that too. Oh, okay, go ahead. So we, we now have enough transgender people in our, in our samples to be able to meaningfully compare transgender furries to non-transgender furries and are there differences and similarities between them? And one of the oh. coolest things we found was that transgender furries are 64% more likely to be artists and 31% more likely to fursuit. I wonder why. And, and we, have, we have no idea. It's a head scratcher. We, we, we found that data. And so maybe in future focus groups or uh, surveys of transgender furries, we'll dive into, well, so, okay, what, what seems to motivate you to be more drawn to art or more drawn to, to fursuiting? You know, I think, I mean, by no means is this is this is scientific. This is just Rue just jumping up and saying, this might be it. But it might be because, you know, when it comes to um, being trans and jumping into, like, for instance, a fursuit. Fursuit, you can be whoever or whatever you want to be. Your character can have breasts. It can have not have breasts. You know, it's it, it, can, it can be whatever gender self. that you want it to be. What? Projection of your ideal self. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's also probably why a lot of them are into art as well is because then they can draw themselves how they feel inside. You know, I, I, I have had the occasion to ask a couple of my friends who are in transition, um, you know, do you do you dream with a penis or do you dream with a vagina? And the answer is typically yes. And they really enjoy those dreams. Mm -hmm. So, because because it, it sort of, I imagine it overcomes gender dysphoria, right? So if you if you have this yes. feeling of being trapped in the wrong body, so to speak, it, it can be comforting to exist in a space where, or to, or to see yourself in art, or to to wear a suit, or to spend some time where, hey, my body is matching what's what what's going on in my mind. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, I think it is time for break, so we're going to go to break, and then we'll come back and discuss more science. Stay tuned. Hailing Frequencies Open, Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Wednesday, November 7th, here are your space headlines. Back in October... Rocket Lab, the manufacturer and operator of the Electron rocket, broke ground on construction of their American launch pad at Wallops Island. It will not only be a launch pad, but an assembly site for their small lift rockets, and they'll even manufacture some components on site. This will give them two places to launch from in two countries. They're really looking to up their launch cadence as much as possible. And no, they still have no plans to develop any larger vehicles. Two uncrewed Soyuz rockets have launched since the incident with MS-10, which has been traced to a bent pin that failed to activate a sensor in one of the strap-on boosters. 
Looks like this was another quality control issue as this pin appears to have been bent due to human error. If you watch the rocket cam footage, you can see one of the boosters failed to separate properly, then sent the entire rocket tumbling out of control. However, with two uncrewed payloads launched successfully, confidence is high that Russia could launch humans again soon, and they're looking to do so in early December. Good news for keeping the streak. The Kepler telescope has officially run out of fuel. This was the last maneuver operators had to keep it pointed where they wanted. As a result, its aim is now drifting so much that its instruments will be unable to perform their necessary functions, hunting for exoplanets by way of the transit method. That means you look at a star, measure the light coming from it, and watch for any dips in that light curve. If you notice a drop in light output, that means something is passing in front of it, which is very likely a planet. Before Kepler, we had suspected only a few dozen existed, detected by other means. When Kepler returned its first batch of data, we discovered hundreds of exoplanets. And as the mission continued, that number has risen to thousands. Because of Kepler, we now know that every star likely has at least one planet orbiting it, and likely the majority have multiple planets. Before you get all weepy thinking it's, that's it for exoplanet hunting, there's already a successor in orbit and already collecting data. TESS, the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, is already online and hunting for new worlds. This time, surveying almost the entire sky rather than one little spot. Good night, Kepler. Thank you for all you taught us. The Parker Solar Probe has just completed its closest pass by the sun to date, and because of that, it set a new record for the fastest human-made object ever relative to the sun. It came within 24 million kilometers, that's 15 million miles, of the sun, which is 34 million kilometers closer than Mercury is to our star. Before that, the record for a human-made object to pass closest to the sun was the German-American Helios 2 spacecraft, which got within 42.7 million kilometers. On this same pass, Parker reached a velocity of about 213,200 miles per hour, or 95.3 kilometers per second. Parker is only just beginning its mission, which will last, hopefully, into 2025, possibly longer. Its specialized heat shield will allow it to get close enough to the sun that it will actually fly through the corona, the sun's atmosphere. It will actually touch the sun. Keep listening for more details about this groundbreaking mission. That's all for this round. Stay tuned for the next episode of For What It's Worth for more. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. Welcome back. We have lovely Dr. Nuka here. But before we get back to that, we want to go to our patron list. Tugs, do you have that? Yes, of course. Ah. For what it's worth, is now pleased to play worship to those who have seen fit to give Only money. Only Tugs is okay with playing this song. To give worship to those who fund our efforts to educate you and the introduction and the exploration of the furry fandom. So, we'd like to play, play, I can't say pay, we would like to pay thank you to Snares, creator of the Meteor Showers. If you like meaty showers, that's where you go. It's free. 
We have Skylos. We have Kachi, Guardian, Lion, Dusky, Lokimut, Baldric, Rifka, Artorius, Ichisake, or just Ichi, Kit, and the King of the Owls, Cody. Thank you so much for supporting the show, guys. You have literally made a difference. In fact, the fact that you're listening to the show right now is because you've paid for our hosting. You've been able to pay for our Zen, their Zencaster platform we use now. It's wonderful. We really appreciate it. And, you know, it just means a lot that, you know, people are willing to step up and say it's worth money. So if you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash fwiw and you can hear your name right on the air in front of ridiculous music that Rue loves can i pay not to have my name being read in front of no. ridiculous music <laughs> and you can't piss on hospitality i won't allow it <laughs> i think we well, killed, him. killed root yeah yeah he's dead oh, or is dead i love that i love that word is <laughs> That's from Troll 2. I, that's like my favorite movie. <laughs> like, don't watch that show by yourself, but like, watch it with a group of friends. It is awesome. So, so I have, is, is, is Troll 2 kind of like my Mario Brothers? I love the Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's super horrible, but it's super amazing because of how horrible it is. Oh, I love that when it goes back around to being good again. Like, yeah. it has a cult classic because of how terrible it is. B-movie status, yeah. Yeah. I think it's more like Z-movie status, but yes, I hear you. I hear you. All right, well, let's get back to the topic then, continuing our discussion of the latest sciencing. So, do you have more facts for us, Nuka? Do I? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. No. Um, yeah. So, we did a, one of our recent studies was kind of neat. We did a, a memory test where we had furries read over a bunch of profiles of hypothetical furries. So you read about a furry who's, oh, I'm 21 years old, male, a wolf, and, and they would describe their personality a little bit. What was interesting about this is that at the end of the survey, we said, oh, remember that person that we, we talked about, that profile we mentioned earlier? Can you remember how they describe themselves? And what we found when we did, you know, we manipulated this throughout the, the experiments, the different people saw different profiles and different combinations. And what we found is that furries had better memory for a person's personality if it matched up with the stereotypes associated with their species. So, for example, if you said, oh, I have a wolf persona, and you later on in your profile said, oh, by the way, I, I describe myself as very loyal and courageous. People remembered that person and all the details of their profile better than if there was a mismatch between them. So if they said, oh, uh, my species is cat and I'm a loyal you know, person or whatever. Loyalty isn't a, a trait associated with cats, but it is associated with wolves. And so, yeah, for, it tends to suggest that furries use these stereotypes and they like and possibly remember people better when their personality matches the stereotype traits associated with that particular species. That is really interesting. That's just like, you just blew my mind. That is so cool. Right? Yeah. It, that's uh, that's an interesting statistic. Because we've asked about the stereotypes before. So we've asked furries about, uh, you know, do these stereotypes describe you? And a lot of furries say that um, they, in general, you believe that a person's persona tells you something about that person. So furries believe that, hey, if you tell me you're a dog, 
I know a little bit more about the kind of person you are, even though they, they wouldn't use that stereotype and that species information to decide whether or not they'd hang out with you. But they do feel like they know a bit more about you and they feel like, hey, if you know that my persona is a cat, then you you know something important and significant about me because furries infuse so much meaning into their personas. So this seems to suggest that furries are actually processing this information about people at, at a, you know, a, somewhere in the back of their minds, they're processing and retaining this information because it's affecting things like how they remember a person and what they remember about a person. Uh, so we're actually publishing that in a, a peer-reviewed psychological journal right now. So, Oh, really? Yeah, this is one of those ones that's interesting enough that uh, uh, average psychologists might be interested in it. So we're we're trying to get it published right now. Ooh, I can't wait to read about that in Cosmopolitan. <laughs> not quite, not quite. That we're shooting for for a tier or two above Cosmo for the for this particular oh, people. publication. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ironically, so hey, Mister Nuka, yes. or Doctor Nuka, doctor, sorry, doctor. I didn't go to evil medical school for 11 years to become <laughs> Mr. Thank you very much. Um, so Mr. Um, Dr. Nuka, wow. we have some lovely emails that was sent to us. Um, and we're going to go ahead and read one of those. Uh, Tugs, do you want to read the first one? Yes. Oh boy. Put, nothing like putting the expert on the spot to make him sweat All a bit. Right, here we go. Uh, this is from Rennie. Rennie says, hey, cast and guest, if there is one, I hope you're all well. My name I is guess. Rennie, the Sphinx cat, I know. Uh, she, her. I found your podcast a month ago, and I've been enjoying it. I do have a question, a few questions about the fandom I'd like to ask. Why are there fewer females in the fandom than males? I don't understand what about the furry fandom is more attractive to males than females. Is it the porn? My second question is, why are there so many canines? I love dogs, and they're cute as hell. But other than that, what makes them so appealing? There are so many species, but lots of people choose to be a, a fox. No offense, Rue. There should be more sphinxes. They're cute and ugly at the same time, like cuddly goblins. That's just my ego talking, though. Any whore, I'm rambling, and this email's getting long. Keep up the great work, and thank you for making the show. It's so much fun. Looking forward to writing in again. Rennie. I'm going to defer on my right of first response and give it to Nuka. Okay. So there's sort of two questions in there. Why Why is the fandom predominantly male, and why is the fursona choice more often foxes and dogs than other species, it sounds like? Mm-hmm. Um, so to speak to the first question, we get that asked that a lot, actually. And I'd say it's a combination of, of two things. Historically, the fandom has its roots in the predominantly male science fiction fandom. And so just sort of from its origins, it started off in a predominantly male space. And so that legacy kind of continued on. Um, what perpetuates that is norms and expectations, Right. So the idea is that if you're if you walk over to the fandom for the first time and you walk in, you see a bunch of males, you go, oh, I guess this is a male space. This is a place where where, you know, the expectation is you should probably be male to be here. And so when you when you see that, it might create, you know, even though there's no no sign or rule that says no girls allowed, it does create that feeling of, of potential discomfort. Like uh, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe this is a place, you know, if you ever walked into a uh, uh, the wrong meeting or the wrong class or something, and you go, oh, I think I'm in the wrong room. It can create that kind of feeling. We know that women, for example, in the STEM fields often report feeling this. If you're the only uh, woman in a class full of, of men, you feel like, uh, maybe I'm in the wrong major. Maybe I don't belong here. Um, so we think that that is sort of happening in the furry fandom a little bit uh, because it has this legacy of being predominantly male 
uh, dominated, it might be a little off-putting to women, but slowly we're starting to see more and more women uh, getting into the fandom. And we think that it's going to sort of hit a tipping point where that kind of goes away, where if you're a woman in the fandom, you see enough women in the fandom where you go, yeah, okay, this is, it's cool to be a woman here. Um, as for the species thing, or sorry, I, I guess I should let you guys comment on that if you have any thoughts on that. Or I would hope that all women feel welcome in the fandom. Please bring you and however you define yourself, because it's good for it's good to just keep things well rounded. It really is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, a lot of my social groups I go to, it's like there's like one girl, maybe. Like sometimes there is, sometimes there's not. And like for instance, I'll. I'll an example that popped into my mind, I'm doing a, a game night down in Provo to try to try to get some more people active down in uh, Utah County. And um, the game night that I went to, um, it was all guys. And there was this girl that came by and she was she was interested. But I think that exactly what Dr. Nuka was saying, like it looked like it was just for guys. And it's like, no, this is for everybody. And, and it should be pointed out to anyone who's sort of feeling, if you're if you're a guy listening to this and you feel this knee-jerk reaction to say, but I haven't done anything explicit. I haven't said, you you know, no girls allowed or anything. I, I agree, right? No, no one is, is putting any signs or saying that there's any rules in place that say you can't be a woman. It's not that anyone's actively doing anything to discourage women, but it's the fact that these norms are in place that when you, again, when you walk, if you're the only white guy and you walk into a, a theater full of black people, you think, uh, did I miss a memo somewhere? You know, even if no one has a problem with you being there, you, you can't help. It's human nature to feel like, uh, maybe I don't belong. Maybe I'm in the wrong room. I, well, I think, I think you your think analogy that... of the meeting walking into the wrong meeting is hits really hard. Cause it's like, it's like when you're in college or whatever, and like the wrong person is in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've, I've never conceptualized it that way, but that, that really made it a lot more tangible to me. What do you think that we can do um, as far as the guys in the fandom to, or just as the fandom in whole, not just guys, how can we be more inviting to women in the fandom? Sexy lingerie. <laughs> um, I guess it would be to sort of make it clear that women are welcome. So even the people say, well, why do we have to go out of our way to... To, to cater specifically to women. And it's not that you're catering to women. It's not that you're you're doing anything special for women. It's more so um, trying to make it clear that, hey, you know, you are welcome. Even if you walk in and it's mostly guys here, you know, pull up a chair. You're totally welcome here. Uh, it's not just a boys club. Absolutely not. I, I genuinely want to see, I, I would never obviously use this, but I want to see all you see at cons is like art and stuff. I really think like if you came up with like a quote unquote furry bra that was kind of sexy and like furryish, I think that would probably help people feel a lot more welcome. I don't know. I, I think people would notice if there was like a sexy bra in a dealer's room. I'm not I'm not trying to be funny. I'm serious. Like 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 we have collars and leashes, but you don't see something that like is tailored towards women like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, another thing that would help, too, is, is having more uh, making it clear that that women are welcome in the fandom just as, you know, quote unquote, casual furries, right? There's this, I think there's this idea for a lot of women, and especially when we've studied artists, they say, well, being an artist was my way of getting my foot in the door in the fandom. I didn't feel like I belonged in this predominantly male space, but hey, I do art. So that's my way to get in. I, I now have an excuse to be here. I'm allowed to be here. So making it clear to women that, hey, you, you know, 
there's no entry exam to get in. No one's going to say, are you a real furry? Or are you, are you just a girlfriend of a furry? Or are you, you know, getting rid of this idea of gatekeeping or, or you have to somehow prove that you're furry enough to be here um, would be a good go a long way, I think, to helping women feel like they have every right to be here as anyone else does. I think another thing is if guys like one thing that I've noticed, a girl goes into uh, goes into a room and it's like all of a sudden, like there's like five or six guys that are like hitting on her. Like, I understand that there's like, you know, by like with the bisexual and the um, straight furries. um, What's that statistic together? Just just 40 percent. So that's that's 47 percent. 47%. 47%. So 47% of the fandoms like there's a girl here. Oh my goodness. And then they like start like asking her out and like being extremely creepy, hungry. Um and I think that you know we just need to kind of like welcome them but treat them as a human being well, and that, and with respect. You kind of hit hit the nail on the head there too, I would say because you're a big thing is you're you're seeing them as women. Right. So when they come into the fandom, oh, there's a girl and everyone pay attention. There's there's a girl here. Right. And it's you're 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 only drawing attention to the fact that you're the 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 lone woman or the, the rare woman in the group here. Right. So so if they were feeling uncomfortable about being the only one in the room, you've now just shone a giant spotlight on it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Definitely. Well, and all I can say oh, is ladies are welcome. Yeah. And for oh, the second part of the question, why? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh uh, no, no, no! no. I just ahead. wanted to make a quick point, um, which was it's something um, we talked about this in college, and it is a little bit PC. And I'm not, tra- I'm not shoving this down anyone's throat. I just want to give this as food for thought. Um, I took a, a gender issues class many moons ago in college, and one of the things that I learned was uh, interchangeably referring to females or people who identify as female as girls versus women is, is yeah. Um, like a lot of people will go, well, the men in the room are this, but the girls in the room are that. Yeah. And, and um, one of the things that we worked on in the class was realizing that calling a woman, a woman instead of a girl is a big deal. And I, yeah. and I've, I've, I've strived to do that ever since that class. And I have, I have definitely found that referring to a woman as a woman instead of a girl has made them feel far more welcome. So, it's a little thing we all can do. No one's going to mm-hmm. beat you over that if you don't do it. But give it some thought. Instead of calling women girls, call small children that are female girls and grown grown females women. It helps a lot. Same thing for yeah. men. Men are men and boys are boys, but don't interchange them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I caught myself yeah. doing that during my response, admittedly. So, no, Overall, I, we just need to treat them with respect. Yeah. yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah. All right. So the second part of the question was about... About species, females. yeah. <clears throat> and so... We've been asked about this a lot too, uh, when the media asks about fursona species, why these particular species, and the answer we kind of give is, well, people tend to pick fursona species that are are meaningful to them. And when you look at the sort of cultural narratives that we have, the sorts of stories we tell in our culture, very often you find cats and dogs and wolves and dragons in our stories, right? And you go through popular movies that involve animals, and typically they involve, you know, uh, a man and his dog or uh, you know, some really cute cats or, uh, you know, stories about wolves permeate culture and, and you know, foxes uh, permeate a lot of cultural stories as well. So these are the species that we encounter most and have the most experience with. And so when it comes to picking a species to recognize you, these are the ones that we have strong stereotypes about and strong, well-established beliefs about. And so those are kind of the ones that we default to. Definitely. Yeah. 
the, definitely. The... I mean, as far as sphinxes and stuff like that, I mean, like, I, I think that people that have a persona that's not, not real, like dragons or sphinxes, not are different. real. Sorry, that's the wrong way Oof. to say it. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> they, well, okay, yes, that is a way creatures. to say it. They're yeah, they're mythical creatures. So they're they're not here. You can't go up and walk up to a sphinx and be like, hey, this is how a sphinx acts. I mean, you can watch, you know, Harry Potter or fantasy, read it in fantasy books or different things like that. So therefore, I mean, but you can see a dog, you can pet a dog, you can relate to a dog itself or a fox or, or whatever, because you can actually go and see one touch it. Um, so therefore i think that that's part of the reason why that there's a lot more um of these i mean a lot more of furries that are um non-fictional um characters versus ones that are fictional that's my personal opinion at least um it it ties it ties back to the whole um what we were talking about earlier about um traits for a species and stuff i think and relatability um, mm-hmm. it's, and, and, and you're also right, Rue, in the fact that, like, especially with mythical species, um, you don't have a lot of those preconceived notions. And you made me realize that, like, so people will meet me and they'll call me a bear dog and I will stop and correct them uh, because I gave it a lot of thought when I came up with puppy bear because it creates a very different feeling and reaction and set of thoughts of expectations in people when they hear puppy bear versus bear dog. Yeah, um, and so I'm very picky about that because I I specifically wanted to evoke a certain kind of image around it. Yeah, because it's um, all about me, you know. Well, and and uh, just to add another additional point is that I think a lot of the the people that are into fantasy, I mean, that have a fantasy character are deeply involved in the fantasy community and a lot of people within the fandom i mean you could argue that it is a fantasy community but i i would have to say that it's not it's it's um we uh, i can't say that everybody in the fandom is interested in like the genre of fantasy itself um does that make sense what i'm trying to say yes because i'm not into mythical fantasy but a fair chunk of the fandom is though yeah. Uh, science fiction and fantasy are some of the largest sort of subgroups or interests in the furry fandom. So why is it, do you feel like most people don't choose like a Sphinx or, I mean, you've already kind of. Um, well, I mean, again, better. you go for the species that you have the most experience with. So for a lot of people, if they grew up with a dog, I mean, having a pet dog is pretty common. Having a pet cat is pretty common. Most people and don't so, grow up with foxes though. No, but foxes are in our, uh, dialect a lot i mean you, you there's the sly like a fox counting like a fox um you know if you grew up playing star fox i mean there's a lot of stories and and, and legends stuff surrounding fox i think that's more prominent in our our culture and plus they tend to have elements that are more relatable to the average person right so if you look at something like a, a dragon has this like supernatural superhuman um strength uh, associated with it right in a way that is less relatable to the average person than, oh, kind of a clever, smart guy like a fox. I gotcha. Okay. Good email. Did you did we cover it all? Are we ready for the next one? I think so. I think so. It sounds um, like we did, yeah. Okay, Ruth. All right, so the next email came from Patches. It says, hello for what it's worth, Anuka. I started listening to your show at work very recently. The first episode I heard was 
um, was season eight, episode two. Mom, mom, mummy, mummy, mum, mum, mama, mama. And and I have to say that it was really it really got me hooked. Uh, you guys asked great questions and featured many interesting guests. Um, I've been tearing through the past season and it makes me makes time fly at my job. I've mentioned for what it's worth to many of my furry friends trying to spread the bug. Thank you very much. So here's the question for Nuka. Uh Have you ever found something in your research that contradicts your previous findings? Did it surprise you? If nothing comes to mind, what is your favorite Excel function. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Patches the cat. Ooh, uh, let's see. So uh, there's definitely been findings that have surprised me. One that goes completely against my intuition. Um, I guess the I guess the stereotypes one is a big one. Uh, I was quite under the impression that fursona species meant nothing that uh I've heard that there wasn't uh that despite the stereotypes that there was no truth or grounding to any of these stereotypes and yet the more we dove into it the more we realized that there's there's small ones they're 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 not huge effects but there is some truth to the idea of some of the stereotypes so the idea that people who call themselves uh who have dog personas or wolf personas really do identify as more um loyal than people who pick say cat personas um, and then to dispel everyone's misconception, people who identify as foxes are not the most strongly associated with sex, as it turns out that also happens to be dogs as well, uh, in part because they're more likely to be in monogamous relationships. Um, but yeah, I guess the idea that there might be some merits to people's assumptions about stereotypes uh, based on fursona species, I wasn't expecting that. I thought it really was quite arbitrary, or if not arbitrary, then at least there was too much idiosyncrasy. Like there's too many different reasons why you could pick the fursona species that you did. I didn't think we'd find anything systematic. And I was um, pleasantly surprised. Science is always fun when you find unexpected things. Um, and in terms of my favorite Excel function, I'm quite a fan of the concatenate function. It has saved me lots of time uh, and it has the word cat in it. So. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, so you know what i don't have anything else to add to that do you tugs uh i just like that you actually read that whole thing i thought you were gonna cop out and say the mom's episode i'm very pleased and also i'm seeing the moms on sunday i'm excited oh i want to say as well congratulations on the two of you for being more exciting than work from the sounds of the email so (laughs) (laughs) yay it's high praise people enjoy us It's and true. don't think of us as a chore. I know. It's beautiful. I'm going to cry. You don't have, people don't have to have to be paid to listen to you, so that's good. No, they pay us to listen. <laughs> exactly. So, Dr. Nuka, would you be willing to read Sid's email? Uh, I could if I brought it up. He uh, can't get it up. He can't get can't it up. Can't get it up. Lol, lol, lol. Uh, I don't have the uh, the the tab here. I got it. That's cool. Uh, all right, but you'll get right a first response. Hello to okay. the guest of Fuwa and Dr. Nuka. This is Kit. I thought that I would chime in with questions for Dr. Nuka. In the straight Dr. Nuka fur- sounds like a DJ name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> in the straight furries episode, there was a brief mention of data that was in relation to polyamory in the furry fandom. However, that data was never revealed in the episode. Wah, wah. I wanted to ask how many furries are polyamorous? 
are the other labels that can be in relation to polyamory taken into account as well. Some of these labels can include consensual non-monogamy and friends with benefits. There are other terms that I'm forgetting as well. In addition, I wanted to ask, can there be a get psyched segment that focuses on passive aggressive behavior? I know aggression is a frequent topic within the segment. However, I'm unsure if passive aggressive behaviors have been discussed. Some questions that come to mind include, what are some of the characteristics of passive aggressive behaviors? If an individual or group has these behaviors, then what are some good ways to address them? If this does not sound like a good topic for get psyched for whatever reason, then that's valid. Anyhow, thank you for taking the time to read this email. I hope you all are well with love and cookies, DR Nuka. No, I'm just kidding, Kit. <laughs> so give me one second because I am literally writing that idea down. I have a big board next to my uh, desk here, which has ideas for, for what it's worth or uh, for guest like segments. And I'm adding passive aggressiveness to that board because that is a great idea for a topic. Oh. To sort of, uh, sort of uh, give you sort of a, a brief, brief rundown of it. Um, passive aggression refers, it means a very specific thing to aggression researchers. It refers to people who aren't directly aggressing against someone. So I'm not, you know, going out of my way to hit you or something. But the example I always use is you see your enemy walking across the street and they're about to walk on broken glass. You could stop them, but instead you choose to let them walk, let harm come bef uh, to, to befall them. So they walk on the broken glass and hurt themselves. That would be an example of passive aggression. <laughs> do it. That. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spontaneously do a, a guess like that. But I want to do some. <laughs> I'm not your your trained monkey. Um, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I'll do a full episode on it. But that's the gist of passive aggressiveness. A lot of people misuse the term. That's a great idea. I will get on that as a uh, hopefully in an upcoming segment. We'll do that because that's a, a great suggestion. Um, oh, about the polyamory thing. Um, yeah, so the numbers, it's been a few years since I've looked at the numbers. To the best of my knowledge, it's between 15 and 20% of furries self-identify as polyamorous. But you've reminded me, since I'm putting together uh, a survey next week, to we have to get our ethics in months in advance. So we're putting together our furry fiesta questions now to get submitted to ethics. And I did want to ask about polyamory. So you have conveniently reminded me about that. So I will make sure that some questions about that go on. Uh, in terms of other terms for it, uh, I do agree that things like um, consenting, uh, non-monogamy, and stuff like that are are important to use. The problem becomes if you try to if we try to measure everything as thoroughly as possible, the survey would wind up being forty or fifty pages long. So very often we have to sort of pick one or two terms and then have an other category and say, look, if none of these terms applies to you, write one in. Um, so we try to give people as much freedom as possible to describe their their own situation there. Um, but it is a topic we're very interested in. Uh, I'm particularly interested in it. It's relevant to my interests. Um, so yeah, that's a, a fantastic question. Hopefully I, I answered it there by mentioning the 15 to 20% of furries there. And uh, thank you for the suggestion. And the new sick DJ name. <laughs> you know what's funny is that for some reason that reminds me of Dr. Pepper not having a period in the doctor. What a fake doctor. DR Pepper. DR Pepper. The what? What are you talking about? Dr. Pepper soda in the word doctor. They don't put a period. Oh, I didn't know that. Now you know. Yep. So um, let's go back to statistics. Let's go back to those, um, those number points. Do you have any other points that you would like to share? 
Uh, I got a. I don't know how much time we got. I got, I got a couple more I can throw at you real quick. Well, so we, sure. we, if you want, you can do a fast one, or we can go to break, and you can have longer time. Which do you prefer? Um, I'll, I'll do. I'll do a, a quick one here that you can mull over during the break. Okay. But we did. We did uh, some number crunching uh, based on our samples, and we found out what the most furry and least furry states are by capita. Right. So, so clearly a state like California has millions and millions of people will have more furries than a state like, you know, Wyoming. But we can look at the, you know, based on how many people are in the states, basically how many furries per 100,000 people are there. And we figured out the most and least furry states. You want, want, to, want to wager your guesses right now as to what the most and least furry states are? Tell us the least and then we'll do the most after break. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, I want to hear your guesses first. I'm going to put you on the spot. And the make least you, uh... furry states. Um, well, I'm going to go with. I want to say North Dakota, but I'm going to divert and say Maine. Okay. I'm going to say California is one of the most furry states, but I'm going to say that Nuka is. I mean, not Nuka. Wow, <laughs> Nuka is a new state. Um, I meant um, Utah is um, also going to be one of the high. Well, we're doing ones, least. Though. I actually believe. Oh, oh, okay, well, well, yeah, okay. Lock, lock in your guesses for the least one, then after the break, we'll lock in your guesses for the the most. Okay, okay. So, least state in the states or in state in the states, the world. Can state I change it? States. Am I locked in? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'm gonna switch to Vermont. Vermont is the least furry state. Yes, I'm gonna say Maine. <laughs> yes, we were hedging. So, so the, the least furry states in the entire country. It's California. Shut your mouth. What? By by capita, they have a lot of furries there, but they also have a lot of people. And when you go number of furries per population of the state, it is the least furry states, followed closely by New York State, which is also a bit of a mind bender. Okay, okay. So there's still a lot of furries that are there. Yeah, but just... not as many as you would expect population-wise. Yeah. Okay. I'm upset by and this. And you'll have to wait till after the break to figure out what the, the most furry states are by capita. Start All thinking right, now. We'll, okay. Well, we'll be right back. It's been a long time since you've shaved there. It's just for men for pubes. 50 Sheds of Grey is brought to you by My Phone Just Turned Off because at the very last minute when you were trying to read something off the damn phone, it decides to turn off. And it doesn't do Face ID when you have a microphone in front of your face. God damn it. Here's a list of interesting words. Bumfuzzle. Caddy Wampus, Gardy Lou, Tara Diddle, Snickersnee, Wittershins, Collie Wobbles, Gubbins, Bumbershoot, Lollygag. I can't pronounce this one. Liberty Gibbet. Fliberty Gibbet. Fliberty Gibbet. Fliberty 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 Gibbet. Malarkey. 
pandiculation. Now this says that this happens when you wake up in the morning and stretch. I think pandiculation means something completely different to you perverts. Wabbit. Wow, it actually just says wabbit. What the heck is a Scottish term for being exhausted? I'm pretty wabbit at the moment. I'm a pretty wabbit every day. I'm just a pretty wabbit. Snolly goster. Impignorate. Nudadurstian. Ratoon. Zoanthropy. Pacleoquiant, which I guess is what happens when you're a boxer and someone hits you in the head too many times. He's a little Pacleoquiant now. Also see, Senator. Borgo Gim. Bruhaha. Donnie Brook. to let everyone know you have claimed ownership over something, think for what it's worth. It's so frustrating when someone takes something that clearly belongs to you. Your lunch in the community refrigerator, that last cookie in the jar, your right to have a say in what should be a fair and democratic election, and yet people keep touching and taking your stuff. What's a fur to do? Why, mark your territory, of course. Oh, not like that, you silly rascals. Put that away. No, with For What It's Worth brand markers, you can write your name on all the things that belong to you. And since we use non-toxic ink, you can write directly on that cookie. Rue, yes, I know you want to make sure that all cookies belong to you. And 9 out of 10 experts agree you're less likely to be arrested for indecent exposure during territory marking using For What It's Worth brand markers. Instead of, you know, the other stuff. Also, if you're still suffering some trauma from, oh, say, a recent election that didn't go the way you wanted it to, federal law compels me to inform you that you may not use for what it's worth brand markers in any manner other than instructed. So for what it's worth waves all legal liability in case you people try to get funny. Also, once you're done marking what belongs to you, you should contribute to the Patreon campaign. The funding raised helps us buy more markers for government-approved use and nothing else. Also, if you would be so kind as to rate and review the show, well, that would be just swell. A little word-of-mouth advertising never hurt anyone either. It'll certainly help propel my career beyond this sorry state of B-grade advertising. For what it's worth, brand markers. Seriously, all liability waived. Welcome back. We are going to continue our discussion with Yuka about Emperor Palpatine and the Empire. <laughs> Wrong show. All right, let's 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 hear. It. So so we went to break and we were talking about least uh, furry states. Let's talk about most furry states. So, right, so uh, lock in your guesses. <laughs> well, so it's the inverse of what I processed it as in my head. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Vermont. Okay. I'm I'm still gonna stick with Utah. It's the most furry states. Biased. Well, I, I don't think it's going to be the most, yeah. but it's going to be up there. 
So uh, the second most, we'll, we'll do this in dramatic fashion. The second most is Wyoming. Ah, of course, what? there's three horses there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the number one states, the number one most furry states. I'm waiting for the response. Washington. Woo! My Washington. Your Washington. <laughs> the most furry state by capita or per capita. But I'm well. No, I. So I. It's because I mean, of all I'm the weed. Import. That's why. That's why. It's because <laughs> Tugs moved there. Tugs moved there and just tipped it over the edge. <laughs> no. Well, I'm. I'm trying to think about the population distribution. But the thing is, is it's like I don't know the exact percentage, but it is definitely an ultra majority of people live in this area, and then there's not a ton of people out of the area comparatively and but there are a lot of furries where there is the population yeah so good well good for us i feel like you should give me the clap no (laughs) (laughs) as a doctor i have to advise against that oh stop it get some help So what is that from? I don't know. No, don't worry about it. Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Give us another fun fact of your new science, sir. All right. So we'll we'll finish up with uh, two facts that they're pretty quick. Um, So one of the facts is that uh, we've discovered that 94% of furries pay attention near the end of our survey. We have a, a distraction question put in partway through. Where we say, hey, if you're still paying attention to this, circle two. Uh, because if you get into a long string of one, 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 and you stop reading the questions, we can catch you not reading the question. And so, yeah, we found that 94% of furries are still paying attention near the end of our survey. So that's good. Yeah, that, that means good. that you're getting a, getting pretty good numbers. Yep. Uh, and then we also found that a small percentage of furries uh, show psychological reactants. And we say, please circle two. And so they circle everything but two just to assert their independence. <laughs> yeah. or they draw a picture or they'll put a square around two and say no i do what i want those people we count as having paid attention they clearly read the question if they came up with a smart ass response to it see so. you should you should have the question be like a decimal two t-w-o t-o-o t-u you know like <laughs> i like that <laughs> it's fun um that's, and then that's i guess being a brat and, and then our, our, uh, uh, the last figure I'll mention to you is, is quite a funny one. I like this one. I don't even know how we came up with throwing it on, but we asked furries um, to assess the extent to which they felt comfortable with furries as friends, as neighbors, as basically the most sort of intimate is like have, having furry as like a relationship partner and then sort of moving out from, from you, okay, having a furry as a, as a good friend, having a furry as a casual friend, having a furry as a neighbor, as a doctor, as a, et cetera, et cetera. And we found is that furries were very comfortable with the idea of having furries at dating other furries, of being friends with other furries, of having furries as neighbors and roommates. Not so much when it came to the idea of having a furry president or a furry spiritual advisor or a furry governor or a furry doctor. Why? Um, maybe there's this perception of furries as being young and kind of immature, but uh, even furries have said that they don't they don't necessarily want a there's much less support. There's still support for, but it was far less support for the idea of a furry politician or a furry uh, doctor or surgeon or a furry uh, spiritual advisor. I think I think that's reflective of some people that are like keep furry weird. 
like, nothing. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, nothing would totally put me at ease when they're putting me under and having them count to 10 to take will me in for <laughs> surgery. Maybe they're maybe they're removing my tumor from my head or something. And then all of a sudden the first suitor is the one with the scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh! I just go really wide before they they put the gas mask over you. No, no! You start Shh. screaming. <laughs> Again, we just support the numbers. What what? How people interpret it or what they make of it to them? But that's uh, I that was a very interesting figure that even among furries, they wouldn't necessarily want a furry as their doctor or politician or spiritual advisor. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's a, that's a head scratcher. Always fun to leave off on a on a bit of a brain twister. That's true. Okay, so before we run over to housekeeping and mailbag, do you have any final thoughts for us? Um, if you're going to be at Furry Texas Furry Fiesta this year or Anthrocon this year, if you uh, see us throwing surveys around, uh, please don't be a stranger. Please jump in and help out with our science. Uh, you can check out our research at furscience.com. Uh, all one word. And uh, yeah, please keep those questions and suggestions for episodes uh, of Get Psyched rolling in. I, I always like being able to to answer questions that people have rather than just what I think is interesting. So, and thanks a lot for, for having me on and for you know, constantly being so supportive of the, the research. Oh, yeah. Well, thank we you. We absolutely you. love having you on our show and and love having your research here because instead of us being and we've said this before instead of us being like this is our opinion <laughs> instead it's it's nice to be able to have somebody come in here and state the facts yeah oh oh one last one last plug if i can shamelessly plug um my colleagues and i are currently writing a book about bronies because we do brony research as well uh this one's actually going to get published by a major publisher so not just self-publication but we've already slated to get a publisher in 2019 for it so uh at the end of 2019 if you're interested in my little pony stuff and the research on the brony fandom there will be an actual book on the subject published in in, in bookstores and stuff everywhere so keep your eye out for that now are you going to be autographing copies and and giving them away um i'm willing to i'm not opposed to it good good Someone remind us about that. Where's Voss? Voss is at Disneyland. Well, screw that. He's not doing his job. He should be here supporting the <laughs> fandom. Instead of going on um, Tug's Space. favorite ride, Space Guardians Mountain. of the Galaxy. Yeah. All right. I'm cool. such Let's... a troll. I'm sorry, Tugs. You are a troll. Let's do the mailbag. <laughs> All right, we've pulled the zipper down. It's time for the mailbag. It's that time again for the lovely mailbag where we'll unzip the zipper and read emails. Do you want to so, know where that zipper's from? I don't know. Where is it from? Did you do it <laughs> I yourself? recorded that. <laughs> you did? You <laughs> yeah. recorded it from your, like, it, it must be a jacket. It can't be pants. Yeah, it sounds it, like it, a heavy, yeah. No, no, it was. Um, I had a, it was a really heavy buckle that was really awkward. Um, I got the loudest buckle I had. That so. was a really good sound effect that you did. <laughs> I know I had to like get like the room super quiet and then do it. But anyway, uh, you were saying before I interrupted you. 
Oh, I don't know what I was saying. I'm sorry, okay. Tugs. But let's read emails. Okay, so um, you can have the short one. Um, that one is from Hayden. But I will kick off by reading the longer one. Um, this is from Anonifer. He says, hello for what it's worth. I'm a year old folk and I love your show. I'll admit this email is a bit all over the place. I've been listening to politics on the far left and far right for about two years because I got tired of being fed lies from both sides. My dad hates it because I can prove him wrong on almost anything and eight hours of politics a week has made me quite distant. So while looking for another podcast to listen to, I stumbled upon the world of furry news. Now most of my family is Republican and have very set ways. One thing I don't get about the furry fandom is that we are said to accept everyone no matter what. But as I started listening to more furry podcasts, it became very clear Republicans weren't really wanted slash accepted. Thinking about it more, and when I came out to my family, I realized that even though Republican furries have to deal with, on average, a way less accepting family than Democrats, they might even kick their kid out for being thinking of being a furry. After they get through that shitstorm, if they say publicly that they're Republican in the fandom, they get shunned. What's your opinion about that stuff? Do you disagree, agree, or not understand me? Any whore, woohoo! Now that I have that off my head, I know my place... And that in many episodes, you guys have said minors shouldn't really join the fandom slash listen, but your show is still one of the rays of sunshine that can get me to life in the world we live in today. Um, if you need clarification on anything, please email back. I don't really have structured writing. So uh, we I, we have pondered about this email and we'll say this. We, we don't d- dig into politics on the show. Uh, and that's for a reason. We want, we want to try and stay as neutral as we can be because we build bridges of understanding and help people come together and keep talking. Uh, if we, if we don't take sides, sure. We have, we are human beings. We have bias. Everyone has a bias, but we strive to stay apolitical. So we're not going to actually answer your question outright on the air for that reason, but we wanted to let you know that we got your email. What we, what I would say is no matter what side you're on, always do your best to assume generously. That means, yeah, there are bad people out there, but most people aren't bad people. And they're trying to do what they think is the right thing, the best thing. You may or may not agree with it. It's important, and it is your duty as a member of society to try and understand the other person's point of view, no matter how hard that might be. So you said on, that duty. Point, <laughs> on that point, Tugs, um, I think that your response does deserve a clap. Oh, yay. So you did get a clap this episode. Yay! I am so happy. Stop it. Get some help. (laughs) That that probably wasn't the best time. (sighs) I'll never get tired of that. (laughs) It'll never get old. I'm excited, so I should probably get some help. The funny thing is, we're the only ones that are laughing at it. Everybody else is like... What is going on? Uh, what is worry. this? Don't worry about it. We said we were bringing the whack back. It's here. Uh, and all right, anyone else want to add to that, or should we go to the next email? Let's go to the next email. All right, Rue, take it away. So um, that next email was from who? <laughs> um, from Amazon, because that's not the right inbox. Um, it's uh, <laughs> from uh, from Hayden. Hayden. Okay. All right, so Hayden said, Hi, guys. I've been kind of down lately. Then I got a notification of your newest episode. In fact, I'm listening it, uh, listening to it two times. And I'm trying, uh, and I'm typing this, as I'm typing this. And I also wanted to help somehow. But if I can't, that's fine. All I wanted to say is thanks. 
Thank you. Thank you for sending Aww. that email. That was from Hayden the Fox. Very cute. I'm glad that it helped you out. I replied uh, when we got that just to say thanks. Uh, if you want to help out, tell people about the show. We, we, we don't want to spend our money on advertising. Um, so the more you tell and the more you get people to write in and participate, the better the show is for everybody. And also don't underestimate just how much it helps just to hear those sorts of things. Uh, very often when, when you're working a, a job or you do these sorts of things, it can, you can kind of lose perspective and forget that what you're doing really matters to people. Um, so every once in a while, just getting a, you know, at least for me in my research, getting an email every once in a while from a furry who says that, you know, your, your work really makes me happy or it really helps, uh, helps me out. That does a one, it's, it does wonders for, for your motivation, helping you feel like the thing you're doing really matters. So, um, just emails like that, I think really help. Definitely it's, does. It, it feeds and energizes <laughs> us because I mean, like I said, last episode, we do do this episode, uh, these episodes for us because it's fun. But mainly we do it for you guys. And let me tell you, it is it is awesome when we end up hearing how um, the show has helped you. So thank you very much. We jokingly, a couple seasons ago, called the last episode of the season the final episode. Because it was the final episode of the season. But we, we phrased it to imply the show was over. And the amount of shit we got was insane. You remember so that? Basically, Ruth? you're doing it because I everyone is uh, would come after you, were, you if you stopped. That's what I'm hearing. You were you were trolling them. <laughs> I was a little bit, but I expected like the usual "haha, you're funny," and then people were like genuinely contacting me out of the going, oh, "Is it over?" I was like, "No, no, we're fine. It's just a joke." Um, although, so changing gears though, especially talking about your work, Nuka, and I've told you this privately, but I'm sharing it with everybody. It is a verifiable fact that Nuka's research has saved more than one life. So, just keep that in mind. He does good work. Thank it, you so much. It helps to hear for that. all the work you do. <laughs> it's true. I mean, We've I, I know that all it looks like is just numbers and figures, but let me tell you, there's some, I mean, those, there's some people out. I'm going to give a shout out to the Chinese first. Like they, like they absolutely adore you and they absolutely love all of your work that you do. And the Russian first who, uh, who translated uh, our book for science into Russian, like completely unexpectedly, we just got a copy of it one day and it was in Russian and we're like, Oh, someone cared enough about our work to, to take the time to translate an entire book, which is pretty, pretty impressive. That's so That's touching. Amazing. I also would have gone Bliat! and been like, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> I need the soundboard so I can hit the stop it get some help but... <laughs> where is that that's uh, too late some help. okay <laughs> the so moment is fast let's do let's do the next thing Have you commented on the site yet? It's time to be reminded in housekeeping. Thank you so much for fire breath. I appreciate you. I also appreciate boss that's not here in Disneyland. And I also appreciate Tugs because he's amazing. And he does a lot of stuff and he puts up with me. And then of course, I want to say that I appreciate myself because why not? Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> Can can we make this 
episode, Stop and Get Some Help. That should be the title of the episode. It is now. <laughs> Everyone reading or watching is like, I don't get it. Why is it called Stop and Get Some Help? I thought like, we were having Nuka on. <laughs> I was trying to be really good and really professional, and you just. That was broke your first it. mistake. <laughs> this is for what it's worth. What show are you on? <laughs> oh my god all right stop it get some help uh <laughs> if you if you like the show um talk with us on social media we are on twitter at for what it's worth search for us on facebook Rue manages that i have no idea how that works uh as a reminder because the pending shutdown of google plus we no longer post there uh but there's some legacy content there if you'd like to see it uh, otherwise, please, please join us on uh, the other social media channels that we have established. And although it is not an official channel, there is still the Amino group. So hang out with uh, other people on Amino if that's your bag. You know, but the number one social site that we are currently using right now, and I don't know if I would consider it a social site. I don't know. But Telegram is our number one place right now. We have an official Telegram group. If you want to be a part of it and you want to chat with fellow listeners, please reach out to me at Wine Red Fox on Telegram or shoot us an email and we will make sure to add you promptly. Um, please also provide your age because that is a question that I will be asking you because it's an 18 plus uh, group. We don't like lawyers. Not that we have naughty stuff on there. It's just we don't like lawyers. Yep. Um, what else? Sorry, oh. Boozy. <laughs> no, Boozy's, Boozy's approved. Well, we like him. Boozy's approved. <laughs> You said we don't like lawyers. Like, ooh. No, Boozy's approved. Shots fired. Um, Ford. Um, if you if you like the show, like we said earlier, tell a friend. Really, we mean it. Like, tell a friend, write in with your ideas, get involved. Uh furry is not a spectator sport. And the more you help us make a better show, the better the show becomes. You literally have real impact on the show, believe it or not. Yes, you, the person who's never written in and has listened to every episode. I'm talking to you. Steve. So is, it at, <laughs> is it at that point that we talk about the next episode? Um, I think or so. Did I miss something? I think so. So, so the ne next episode, we are going to travel across the crunch. Wow, country, country. Crunchroll. <laughs> We're going to travel across the country to talk to some Brazilian furs. Yes. I'm very, I'm very interested. Um, I'm going to have to do a lot of Samba music research, but I'm excited for it. So, so what questions do we want to hear? Um, or emails? Well, I don't know. Like you can ask questions about Brazil in general, although, you know, as, uh, as we said earlier, apolitical, please. Um, the differences uh, on what the Brazilian furry fandom is like, you know, um, I think they have their first con. There's uh, all kinds of things. So, uh, or if you are from Brazil, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your your culture and how things how things go. Does the toilets flush the other way around? I what's mean, the know, deal with Brazil nuts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the deal with your color of your flag? I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing things yeah, out is there. Fo is football important there? And I mean, football mm -hmm. with feet. So yeah. So tell us about yourself and shoot us an email that will, you can send it to cast at for what it's worth, or you can send us 
a voicemail as well. Uh, what is the number for that again, Tugs? 46944furry. So remember, it's sexy for 69444furry. So I want to point out again, we do appreciate you guys sending in emails. We are hoping to receive more audio clips because, I mean, then that way we're not just, people aren't just hearing our voice. They're, all, they're also hearing yours. And so it just adds a little bit more of a, a little bit more spice to the show itself. So if you can start sending your um, emails in audio form, of course, if you don't want to do that, we're not going to bar you from sending stuff. We'll still read your emails. Oh, I just realized we missed Rocky's email, but we'll get to it next episode. Whoops. Oh. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. And uh, yeah, go enjoy your McRibs while they're still out there. Woohoo, McRibs! Mm -hmm. And go buy Betrayal Legacy because that's a new board game that I just barely bought and it's amazing! Or it's going to be amazing, at least, I hope. Anyways, so this, uh, again, I want to say thank you, Dr. Nuka, for coming and joining us today. Always a pleasure. All right, well, this has been Rue. This is Tugs. I'm getting some help. <laughs> and Audible hopes you've enjoyed this program. Uh, and this has been For, for what, what It's, it's Worth. worth. <laughs>